Austin Eckler's new deal, NFL news and notes. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert back with you here once again on the show. Hope everybody having a great start to their Tuesday. Welcome in a news and notes edition of the show here today. We're going old school. The last 24 hours, very newsworthy, very noteworthy for the NFL. Some rule changes. Austin Eckler got himself a new contract. All of that the focus of today's TDN Daily. I'll share my thoughts. We've got the live YouTube chat also here, ready to go, ready to share their thoughts. And it's always fun to do shows like this when the NFL all in one day, and they've got what the league meetings, the owners meetings going on uh, right now. And so this trickle of news that's going to come out here over the next couple of days does provide some some fun conversation starters here uh, for this podcast. And yesterday certainly uh, provided a nice little backdrop, a first day for some of these topics. And I do want to start with the information from this morning. Um, because it allows me to poke fun at myself and what we did on yesterday's show with our breakout candidates for all 32 teams. But Adam Schefter, early this morning, reporting that after requesting that trade, after not wanting to be in L.A. with the Chargers anymore, uh, Austin Eckler and the Chargers work out an agreement. He gets $2 million more, close to $2 million more in incentives added to his deal for this season. And then Eckler gets to be a free agent after this season at age 28. So we could talk about this from the Austin Eckler perspective, what this means for the Chargers. But really quickly, we picked Isaiah Spiller as our breakout candidate for the Los Angeles Chargers on yesterday's show because I did not anticipate this exact thing happening. And less than 24 hours later, Austin Eckler finds himself with a new deal and is going to stay in the Chargers. So we will need to, uh, we got Isaiah Spiller off the list, not a, a, a breakout candidate anymore now with Austin Eckler there back in LA with the Chargers. But let's talk about this from a straight football perspective. I don't think it's going to be surprising to anybody that's going to hear me say that Austin Eckler, a major part of this Chargers offense. And so when he requested a trade, it did cause some concern about what this Chargers team was going to be. Listen, they're always going to go as far as Justin Herbert is able to take them, right? I mean, they believe that they've got their franchise top eight, top six, top five quarterback in the National Football League. I expect that deal to get done um, pretty, pretty soon, too. Um, where he's going to have his long-term deal there in L.A., and we'll see the numbers on that. So they're going to go as far as he's going to take them, but they do need to play complementary football. And Austin Eckler was the perfect um, complementary back to the way that they want to play. He's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. They like to, they want to pass a lot. He's a good runner, a decent enough runner to where he gives you multi-purpose out of the backfield and as, an, as a player that really elevates this offense to another level when he is another threat, another added piece that defenses need to game plan for. So for the Chargers, just having Austin Eckler on the field for next season is a massive win. That is a huge step in the right direction for them because having to put together what this is going to look like in his absence, we mentioned Isaiah Spiller already. It was going to be Joshua Kelly uh, and Isaiah Spiller kind of filling in in this role um, I'm pulling up the Chargers depth chart to see to make sure that there's nobody there that I totally forgot about. Yeah, Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller were going to be the guys that were going to have to pick up the workload. Now, we here at TDN Daily said yesterday that Isaiah Spiller could have been a breakout candidate. We believed in that ability, but it's still a question mark, right? And so to have the 
sure thing, the known, the proven commodity in Austin Eckler back. You give him a little bit more in incentives, which is going to, again, why they're called incentives, incentivized Austin Eckler to go out there and prove everybody, uh, prove to, to the world at 27, 28 years old, hey, I can still play this play this game. It's going to help him this season to be able to be the best version of himself because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year um, and he's going to want that new contract wherever it may be. And for the Chargers, they get a very motivated, um, a very proven player in Austin Eckler back in their fold for a team that's going to try to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs in the AFC West. So, uh, you know, Adam Schefter called it a win-win, was kind of limited to the characters there on Twitter of how we could describe it a win-win. But yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement. Win-win for everybody. It's a win-win. It's a win for the Chargers. They get their proven commodity back at the running back position with incentives in his deal that's going to put him in a position to want to go out there and want to prove to the world that he can still play at a top-end level at that position at 27, 28 years old. And for Austin Eckler, he's in a contract year. So if he balls out, he's, it's going to turn into a pretty decent payday for him uh, down the road uh, when free agency comes in 2024. So again, a win-win for everybody. And the Chargers needed to get this done. I'm surprised they got it done. Um, I'm surprised that Austin Eckler is going to be back in LA. I thought that that relationship was basically over, but I think it's a good thing for both sides that they were able to to figure it out. And Colton says it correctly in the chat. It's a prove-it deal, basically. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what this is. It is a prove-it deal, not for the Chargers, but it is a prove-it deal for Austin Eckler for free agency in 2024 because I think the Chargers will be very comfortable now knowing at the end of this season that they're going to turn things over to uh, Joshua Kelly uh, and or Isaiah Spiller in 2024. The trade request maybe have caught them off guard um, and they maybe weren't planning to have to pivot here in 2023. Well, now they don't have to because they were able to get this deal done with Austin Eckler. And for Eckler, it's a great way to go out and showcase himself in a free agency year now. Um how good he can be and turn it into a pretty, pretty big payday. Uh, Bailey says, I thought the Chargers were a spot for the veteran running backs like Cook, if cut, and Zeke, Kellen Moore, uh, familiarity if they moved Eckler. Those spots are drying up now. But Bailey, that's a great way to take this conversation, and I wasn't planning on it, but we can do that very quickly here. Um, the, the Chargers were a team that you could potentially put on the short list if they did move on from Austin Eckler. I mean, we, we pontificated, we kind of joked about an Austin Eckler for Dalvin Cook swap because it made sense for both sides, right? Alexander Madison can slide into that starting role in Minnesota. Austin Eckler, a nice complimentary piece. Dalvin Cook, the, the Chargers don't have to worry about replacing a runner. It works for everybody, right? We kind of joked about that. Um, but yeah, those spots are are kind of drying up. I wonder, and and this would this is gonna this next move would both add a player to this market, but also create a new spot. If the Bengals cut Joe Mixon, are they? I'm of the belief that they could go with Chase Brown, and I think Chase Brown would be incredible value for Rookie of the Year. I talked about this on Prospects and Props. The, the value for Chase Brown as a Rookie of the Year candidate um, if Joe Mixon is cut, because I think Chase Brown could be the immediate starter there in Cincinnati. But could they look to replace um, Joe Mixon with, with a veteran? Joe would save them $10 million against the cap if they cut him post-June 1. It's not going to cost you $10 million to bring in Dalvin Cook or, Z or Ezekiel Elliott for this season. And so could they look towards the veteran free agency market. They are a team um, that that makes a ton of sense. But look around the league. A team's going to want to add a running back, right? Teams are always going to want to add running back depth. But I don't know if those guys are going to get massive contracts. There's always been the rumored Miami connection with Dalvin Cook. We know how Miami likes to use running backs. They drafted a running back in Devon Achain in the 2023 draft. They also have Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert currently on the roster. So they've already got three backs. 
but their first two guys aren't, you know, the epitome of health. They've had injury histories that have forced them to miss significant action over the last couple of seasons. So are they a team that's in the mix? You know, we already mentioned Cincinnati, but we can take the Chargers off that list. What other teams really, you know, jump off the page to you? That's a team that could use a running back. I mean, I know they used a fifth round pick on Israel Abanakanda, and I know Brees Hall is there. But could the Jets be interested in adding a veteran presence? You've kind of pushed your chips all in the middle here for 2023. Do you really take it over the top if an opportunity presents itself to bring in a Dalvin Cook, to bring in a Zeke, um, to bring in a player like that to to help bolster your offense? Does it make some sense? It could. Um, but there aren't a ton of immediate slam dunk home run options for these guys. And I think that's why you're seeing it that we sit here on May 23rd and those guys are still unsigned. Um, it's not like Zeke and Dalvin, you know, Dalvin Cook is uh, technically still a member of the Minnesota Vikings, right? And so we need to, we need to look at the way that situation plays out. He can't go anywhere until he gets cut. The expectation is that they're more than likely going to move on from him. Uh, but Zeke's still sitting out there. Uh, total free agents running backs got a lukewarm response this year. It makes sense for Eckler to get more money this year and still produce in hopes of a good free agent deal next year. Yeah. Again, I think Austin Eckler played this, I think, perfectly. Um, I think he got a good deal. I think the Chargers are going to feel pretty good about it. Um, I, again, win-win for everybody. But from a running back market as a whole, something to keep an eye on. And Bailey kind of mentions that training camp injury is the only hope for them now. I don't think so. I think some team will will pick them up. Um, hope for a big contract, potentially. But it, hope for a landing spot, for a place to play next season. Again, I think Zeke Elliott will have a spot next season to play. Um, it's just a question of does that match up with the value that he thinks he's worth here? at this stage uh, of his career, but something to uh, keep an eye on here as we progress forward. We are what, just eight, nine days away from June 1, where these cuts will potentially start to file in um, a little bit quicker. We'll see if there's a changing landscape a little bit of of free agents and how this uh, situation, how this free agency plays out, uh, specifically when it comes to uh, the running backs. NFL rules, uh, the other topic of conversation that I want to have here today, uh, because we've got a couple of different rule changes that, um, the NFL passed yesterday, the NFL owners passed yesterday, and I want to share my thoughts uh, on them. And I think the the easiest place for us to start is the rule change that the NFL passed that approved flex scheduling for Thursday night football. And I remember we've done Friday free-for-alls about this. I've done dedicated shows about this where I've discussed um, the NFL scheduling and the idea of flexing Thursday night football. And I have always been um, strictly opposed to it, right? I have never thought it was a good idea from multiple different layers. Layer one, a player safety layer of flexing in Thursday night games. Thursday night football is already an increased risk for player safety. Players have discussed how much they don't like it, um, how the short prep week is just, it leaves them susceptible to injuries. So just from jump, the player safety aspect of it has always been really, really bothersome to me. Um, but a underlayer to this, and I think it's it's not as important of a layer as player safety. Player safety should always be the top priority when it comes to making decisions like this that are in this bucket. But I think a underlayer to this that's an important thing for us to discuss is the idea of you got fans who spend their hard-earned money, and not to get political here, but inflation, stuff's costing more than it used to, that includes what it costs to go to a stadium, to go to a football game, to go to a sporting event, to, to buy food at the at the game, to buy uh, memorabilia at the game. Um, stuff's more expensive. And so when people shell out their hard-earned dollars to go to a game on a Sunday, and the NFL now passes a rule in which 
those games now can immediately get flexed to a Thursday. There are people who might not be able to make a game on Thursday and they've already shelled out their hard-earned money. So that was always a logistical concern for me um, and a PR concern for me is that this just doesn't make a ton of sense. Now, we've learned a little bit more of what parameters are being put on the flexing of Thursday Night Football that I think at least alleviate that concern for me, right? That concern gets alleviated. The player safety concern, not that much alleviated. But it's only from weeks 13 to 17. So right now it's only the late stretch of the season, weeks 13 to 17. And it requires a 28-day notice. So the NFL has to make these decisions with the greatest foresight of all time to be able to comfortably make a decision of changing a game and slotting a game into Thursday night football. So to me, an overall look at this, I don't see how many games, at least this season. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, some quick math says that's five games that are the potential to be flexed. To me, I'd be shocked if they flex more than one of the games. I'd be surprised if they flex the game at all for 2023. And Colton asks, what's even the point then? And that leads into the conversation that I, I really wanted to have when it came to this specific rule change. Because the reasoning from the league and from the owners as to why this got approved. By the way, this got approved by the absolute thinnest of margins. 24 to 8. That is the minimum amount of owners that can vote against a proposal and it can still pass. So if one other owner changed course and went to the no side, this would not pass. This passed by the thinnest of margins. And it's very rare that we get votes that are that close. Most things, a couple teams is uh, abstain um, or it's one or two voted down, even though they know it's going to pass. Very rarely do we get the 24 to 8. And so for me, when I look at this, when I look at the idea of the reasoning that the NFL gave of... Well, these are our primetime games. These are our standalone games. These are the games that we need that are the biggest appeal, the biggest draw, the biggest buzz, because these are the only tickets in town right now. This is the only game that's on our screen. And so if Amazon's shelling out big dollars for Thursday Night Football, for the Thursday Night Football package, we got to make sure that they're getting their money's worth. We got to make sure they're getting the biggest matchups and flexing weeks 13 through 17 late in the season allows us to flex in those playoff-esque matchups, those matchups that are going to have major implications. Now, they've got to do it 28 days in advance. So again, can they predict the future and know which games are going to have the massive playoff implications? I don't know with what high degree of certainty they're going to be able to do that. But for me, the reasoning allows me to go to a place where there's an easier solution on the table. You want to be able to put the best games, you want to be able to put the marquee matchups on a given week, in, in your best spots, open up your flex scheduling for the entire slate. Open up your flex scheduling from weeks two through week 18. Open up your flex scheduling for Sunday Night Football. Open up your flex scheduling for Monday Night Football. From a logistics perspective, don't you think it's easier if you flex a 1 or 4 p.m. Sunday game into the 8 p.m. slot? Don't, don't you think that's a little bit easier for fans? They already blocked the day off, so instead of going at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock, they're going at 8 o'clock now? Or the relevant time zone change wherever the game will be played. Don't you think that's easier than moving a game from Sunday to Thursday? That you've already approved Sunday night flexing from weeks, what, 12 on? You've already approved Monday night football flexing from week 12 on. So why not 
Use that flex scheduling for the entirety of the season. Al Bundy says in the chat, it's not for the fans, it's for the TV stations. Again, why the Chris Schubert proposal is the one that makes the most sense. If it's for the TV dollars, if it's for the ability to get these ESPNs, the NBCs of the world, the money, the big-time matchups, open up your flex scheduling for all 17 games. That's a great starting point. Now, that doesn't solve the Thursday night football thing. That doesn't solve flexing those games. But on one hand, you can't say, we want to get exposure for all the teams. We want to get exposure for all the teams and to be able to showcase all these teams to a national audience. And then on the other hand, say, we got to have these big-time primetime matchups. Those don't work hand-in-hand. And so... If it, 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 those two things can't work together in my head. And so for me, so for me, I think that the easiest solution that's an immediate solution is to is to um, flex Sunday night and Monday night football throughout the entirety of the season. And I see some people in the chat, both Al Bundy and Colton have brought up the idea that Amazon was was carrying some pretty um, low quality games. Colton says Amazon's probably angry about how bad Thursday night games were last year. Well, guess what? If that's the case then Amazon didn't do their research ahead of time. Did they crawl out from under a rock? Did they? Did, did Jeff Bezos and Amazon not pay attention when they decided to drop all this coin on Thursday Night Football at the way the schedule was already put together when it was on Fox or NFL Network? The game's not being high quality or the game's not being the, the, the highest matchups, marquee matchups, that didn't come out of nowhere in 2022. That's been a common complaint. I can remember doing schedule release shows here for the Draft Network last year in which we joked, okay, what are going to be the bad Thursday night games this year that Amazon's going to get stuck with? Because that's that's the way the schedule has always been run. So I'm sorry, but I, I don't feel, you're not going to see me feel bad for Amazon that they were that they're angry about how bad the games were last year if that truly was the case. Then they didn't do their research before dropping all the money that they dropped on the Thursday night football package. So, uh, you know, spare me with the sympathy for Jeff Bezos and Amazon. You're a multi-billion dollar company. Maybe do a little bit more research into how Thursday Night Football was operating. Now, again, this feels like a move to placate Amazon that's not going to really do anything, right? Because I don't know how many games the NFL is truly going to to flex that late in the season. Um, We can look at the schedule. I know we did this on prospects and props yesterday. Jamie read out to me the games that uh, that are in Thursday night for these weeks. And so we'll we'll do, we can do the bit here for maybe those that aren't a ton of crossover listeners between TD and Daily, um, and prospects and props. But you're gonna have to give me a second. We're gonna have to do the bit where I research things in real time. So we start with Week 13. Thursday night is Seattle against Dallas. That's on Thursday, November 30th. So on November 2nd is when the is is the the when they can start flexing that game. They have to make a decision by November 2nd if they want to flex that game. Does everybody here think on November 2nd we're going to know whether or not Seattle and Dallas is going to be an inconsequential game? Dallas on Thursday night, we're keeping that game. I think it's pretty clear that that game is going to stay on the schedule. Uh, December 7th, New England against Pittsburgh. Those are two big markets. Don't see that game getting flexed out of week 14. Week 15, the Chargers at the Raiders. Okay, I can see a scenario where that's going to be the case. In, In Vegas with the Raiders, don't know how good they're going to be at that point. But that's December 14th. Go 20, 28 days before then. That's when the NFL has to make a decision on whether or not they're going to flex that game. Week 16, the Saints at the Rams. This might be the most likely case. This might be the most likely game. 
Um, the Rams might not be pretty good. I'm a big believer in the Saints, but if they don't put it together, this game could definitely hit the chopping block. Thursday, December 21st. And remember, that is, that's a week in which you have two games on Saturday that are already in nationally televised slots on NBC and on Peacock. So don't think those two games are, are eligible to move. You have three games in the national window on Monday, December 25th for Christmas. Those are nationally televised games that are standalone in their slots. So you're not going to have that. And so you're going to pick from a very, very uh, limited group of games from Sunday, December 24th that you're going to pick from for these for, for, to flex in. And then week 17, we'll take a peek real quick. The Jets at the Browns. That could be a game that could mean something for both teams. That could be a, a, those two teams could be battling it out for a major playoff spot, a wild card spot at that point. So again, December twenty eighth, the end of November. Are you making a decision to flex that game? No, I don't think so. So again, I, I don't know truly how much this is going to play out into terms of flexing actual games um, that change the schedule. Al says it's the Russell Wilson story. By middle of last year, we all all knew Russ sucked. So flexing him out would be ideal for Amazon. NFL wants to please Amazon because it's another big TV contract they can get. Oh, I, I understand it. But again, that means Amazon didn't do their market research as to what this property actually did for them. Um, and for the NFL, I don't know truly with this new flexing schedule how much flexing they are truly going to be able to do. Right? That's that's the big takeaway that I have from this story. And then the last story we're going to discuss here on the show is the NFL approving... Um, the idea of dressing a third quarterback without using an active 53-man roster spot. Um, and this all ties to the San Francisco playoff game in which they lost both of their quarterbacks to injury. Um, and basically, they were getting Christian McCaffrey ready to play quarterback at one point. Uh, we maybe can just call this the Brock Purdy rule. Um, but the NFL owner is approving the, the bylaw that was proposed that allows a team to dress a third quarterback. And that does not count against the 53-man active roster when it comes to game days. Um, and the idea behind that is this quarterback can only play if the other two quarterbacks are um injured and are unable to return. Now, my immediate reaction is which who's going to be the first team that figures out a way to to circumnavigate this rule um and complain about the way a quarterback's playing and then he's injured and then another quarterback is going to be able uh to come in. But there appear to be a lot of coaches on board with this. There appear to be a lot of teams that are on board with this. Uh, Robert Sala, New York Jets head coach, and the only reason why I know is cuz uh, obviously it inundates my Twitter feed, but he was asked about it at his media availability today um at the start of OTAs and he thought it was a good idea. So, I think you're going to see some some coaches on board with this. Certainly you're going to see some so obviously some owners were on board with this as well since it got approved and so I'm not necessarily against it. I think it's a good idea. Um I just worry about its implementation and I worry about some team um, figuring out a way to to circum to circumvent the rule um, and put themselves in an advantageous situation. But yeah, the NFL uh, passing some rules. I'm sure there'll be some more news and notes that come out here over the next uh, couple of days from the NFL owners meetings. I believe in Minnesota is where they are. Uh, Minneapolis, where these NFL owners meetings are. And all real quick, uh, San Francisco getting the Super Bowl in 2026 and Green Bay for TDN purposes, getting the draft in 2025. So uh, Detroit next year and Green Bay in 2025. So those are some fun, uh, fun destinations. Interesting to see how they set themselves up in Green Bay. Um, Detroit, I think, is going to have the infrastructure. Green Bay, Green Bay, 
other than the Packers, they don't have a whole lot. So what's the infrastructure going to look like there? That'll be something interesting to keep an eye on. But appreciate you making this news and notes edition of TDN Daily a part of your day today. We would greatly appreciate a rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend about the show, share the show with a friend. We greatly appreciate all the support that you guys give to this show. You want to watch the YouTube version of the show, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time over on the Draft Network YouTube channel. We hang out. And have a good time over there. The pre-show, the recording of the actual show, and then the post-show. And then again, if you want to catch it on demand, you can do so um, later on in the day if you are so inclined. So you've got that option as well. But appreciate everybody making this show a part of their day. We will talk to you all tomorrow.